1: Um. Well, I literally just found out. Uh, pretty much, when Alison told me. <laughs> um, but no, that's that's one of my goals that I had um, at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, we wrote it down on paper at, at media day. Um, everybody had a type of goal, and that was my goal. And um, you know, to see it, you know, come true, whatnot. You know, it's pretty uh, rewarding
2: get you 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 to the lakers legacy podcast where we've got your in-depth analytics spicy hot takes and insider x's and o's on this past weekend's royal wedding with suits alumni megan markle and prince harry alan you're about to break down her wedding dress was it laurel or yanny yanny <laughs> <laughs> yanny you're kidding laurel. me right Nah, dude i heard yanny <laughs>
3: What I totally no, heard, Yanny. Get out
2: of here! I'm son. a psycho.
3: I know. I'm. I'm. Oh, I'm clearly a serial God. killer. I totally heard Yanny. There was one time I heard Laurel, but it was like on the radio, so I feel like the sound frequency and whatnot had something to do with that. But yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I heard Laurel once, and then Yanny like 18 times.
2: Damn, that's that's nuts.
3: So, what's your theory?
2: Uh, I, I saw some videos that it's regarding how you hear the, the frequency. If it's like at a higher, if Mm -hmm. you can hear like a higher frequency, you hear Yanny. Correct. But I've also heard if you hear Laurel for the first time, that's all you can hear. Or like, if you know, that's, I I don't know.
3: It's like your predispos- Yeah. I, I, I heard the frequency thing. I heard Laurel from the start though. Yeah. I want, I mean, they say like, it has to do with like the degree of hearing loss one has. But Uh. I don't know. I like, I, I feel like. You don't have significant, I don't know how I would know this, but I feel like the amount of hearing loss I have and that you have is probably about the same.
2: Well, what's funny is on the last podcast episode I did, the solo one, I pretty much called Lakers fans, uh, Laurel and OKC Thunders fans, wistfully hoping for Paul George Yannis. Bunch of (laughs) Yannis. Bunch of Yannis. Wearing their Yanny packs.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I like it, I like Uh, it. Back to the royal wedding. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Back yeah. to Meghan Markle and her wedding oh, she's dress. So hot, dude. Did you see a black and blue dress or a gold and white, dude? One? I don't even
3: remember. <laughs> that was so long ago, and I don't care. Gold I, and
2: white. So there you go. Yeah, I don't
3: remember which one I saw. I think I saw whatever the majority saw, if there was a majority. Should I pull it up right now? Is it important? I
2: think it's no. It's what'd not you important. see? It's it's, it's gold and white.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: And all that matters is Meghan Markle's hot. Suits. So hot. It's a pretty dude. good show. Gonna
3: miss her on Suits. Damn
2: it. But she's set for life. And you know who else is set for life? The Lakers. Let's go. Here we are. <laughs> I was going to say, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, both in different ways. Um, but yeah, we're going to get caught up on some Lakers happenings this episode, touch upon the uh, status quo, Paul George stuff. Pretty much I'm going to run back what I talked about in the uh, last solo episode, but actually get some another opinion, which is great. Um Going to talk about some Julius Randle stuff as well. And then obviously, we'll talk more draft um, as we inch closer to guys making their full commitments and we'll see who's going to withdraw from the draft and whatnot. And as the uh, NBA playoffs marches to a close and we get near June. So, we're going to continue to just talk about the draft and the number 25th pick and number 47th pick. Uh, but before we get started with our show, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, the more times other class of 2017-18 rookies not named Lonzo, Kyle Kuzma, and Josh Hart will continue to gain all the pub, thereby making our guys work even harder this offseason to make people take notice and remove any and all qualifiers from their success and litness. And we all know that that's exactly what Kyle Kuzma is doing and... A lot of the guys are already back in the gym. Josh Hart, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball—they all look pretty fit. Zuby, Zuby. <laughs> I know Brandon Ingram's back in the gym as well, so our guys are right back at it, and that's always a good sign. So, yeah, please rate, interview us, and we want to hear the media, or maybe we don't want to hear, but we all—we all know at the end of the day that this fuels our guys and keeps them motivated to hear Jason Tatum this, uh, Jalen Brown that, Ben Simmons this. Dennis Smith Jr., all that stuff. All these other guys but them. Donovan Mitchell. We know that will only help in motivating our guys and getting them ready for their second, second, third seasons and whatnot. So please rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating and reviews, we're hearing a lot of this guy because it is the NBA playoffs, TNT. We're going to have Chuck read our review of the night. So Charles Barkley, take it away.
1: All right. Great guys. Great podcast. By Lakers fan 88 man, you were youngin'. You must be born when these guys was born. You don't even know what real basketball is because you barely saw me play. You were too young. Pros, podcast is like listening to friends and family discuss the Lakers. And Jonathan is a great interviewer. I don't know about you. This is just my thoughts. First of all, I think Jonathan pretty good, but I think I'm better. All right, (laughs) back to the thing. Cons, sometimes they are a little too silly. I agree with that. They RT. I don't know what RT is. I ain't on Twitter. The social media idiots out there. You're wasting your time in your mama's basement or whatever. RT, their own tweets a lot. What's wrong with that? And they are embarrassingly corny on Twitter. I like corn. Corn is good, especially when you grill it. (laughs) Put a lot of butter on it. But I ain't on Twitter. But if there's free corn to be had from Twitter, then uh, maybe I'll get on that because I like to eat anyway. I got to go kick Shaq ass right now. Go, get some furniture moving.
2: All right. Cool. Thank you, Charles Barkley. And thank you to our reviewer. What was his name, Chuck? Uh, I forgot because
1: he on Twitter and he don't matter to me. Uh, <laughs> Lakers fan, 88. Uh, Also, I'm a big time Laker hater. My name is Charles Barkley. I think everybody know here I hate the Lakers. So I don't even know why the hell I'm on this thing. I'm going to go get me some barbecue because I'm uh... actually no. I'm going to go get me some. Uh... All right, whatever. Uh, bye
2: okay thanks chuck thank you lakers fan 88 chuck tonight sounded a little bit of or your impression sounded like half obama and half. i know chuck dude Bradley. at some point i definitely got a little yeah <laughs> <laughs> a
3: little too a little too distinguished
2: presidential reading of the review but yeah thank you go uh, Bulls. follow laker fans 88 stead and uh rate interview us on itunes uh, Patreon.com slash Podcast is also another great way to support us. $1, $2, anything helps. Yeah, with that said, let's move on to just Lakers news in general. So Alan, I haven't gotten your, your thoughts on this, but over the last week or two, uh, Paul George rumors have been heating up to an almost comical level to the point where, I don't know, everybody's just... I, I feel like we're kind of having fun with it. I don't think the seriousness of it has ever actually hit us. Um, how do you feel about all the... Over certainties, because right now it's like we're so happy-go-lucky about it that the thought of him not even coming to the Lakers, it's not even a possibility in my mind anymore. And I think it's just because we're just we've just been having fun. You know, we're yeah. kind of playing on house money right now. Totally. And pretty much everything that's been coming out about Paul George is just like one <laughs> after another. You're hearing he's at Disneyland. He's building a crib at his house. He's at Nobu. Um, he's at Target. Yeah, C.J. McCollum saying, like, have fun in L.A., Paul George. He's like, enjoy the sunshine in California, right? And, like, with a huge grin on his face. That's hilarious. Um, Ryan Rossillo even saying he knows insider sources or whatever that have said it's pretty much a lock that Paul George joins the Lakers. Bill Ryder came on America's Lakers podcast and said he'd be very surprised if Paul George somehow did not go to L.A. We've heard all about how he's taking into account – his family's wishes and where they want to be, what's best for them right now. It looks like what's best for them is continuing to do all the fun stuff they're doing in LA, including riding helicopters above (laughs) all of Los Angeles. Like it's his land and can be his (laughs) land if he becomes a Lakers. So I guess, yeah. What are your thoughts and sentiments on all this? Are you kind of just grinning from ear to ear? And, um,
3: it is funny, dude. It's like, there's just, there's so much of it, you know what I mean? And like you said that the house money thing is really, um the camp that I fall into because I I compare it to okay when's the last time we were extremely excited about a free agent where the writing was on the wall he's definitely coming whatever I would say it's Dwight Howard and at that time it seemed like like we absolutely had to get him though you know like it was kind of stressful thinking about the chances of him not coming to the Lakers so when it did it was just like massive relief whereas a Paul George I mean I, I would definitely say, I think I was quoted on here saying like, I'm 72% sure whatever he's going to come. It's definitely increased. Um, <laughs> and okay, like the Disneyland, the crib, the whatever, like going to Target, going to Walmart, going to Costco. Just kidding. I don't know if he did all those things, but like those things are kind of whatevers to me. Um, anybody could go to Disneyland, right? Um, anybody can set up shop. In Los Angeles, obviously, Um, he can live wherever he wants, but the CJ McCollum thing, I feel like, like, why would he put that out? Unless, like, CJ, who seems to be a pretty serious guy and, like, very professional, unless he's just trolling everybody right now and throwing it out there, um, why else would you say that, you know? And if he is just saying that to be funny and ironic or something, then screw him. Because I like CJ McCollum, even though he's a Portland Trailblazer. But if, if that's the case, then I'm, I'm not going to like him anymore. Um, if he doesn't come, again, we've talked about it. Like, are we going to be totally devastated? No, because we have a good young core. This season was so fun, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Um, in some ways, look at it with a grain of salt. In other ways, the CJ thing definitely bumps it up, and it is funny. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully things work out. It'll be disappointed if he doesn't come. But, uh, yeah, I'm at, like, 88% right now.
2: Yeah, I'm at, like, 175% <laughs> right now. Um, to me, like... Honestly, even, even uh, on Bill Simmons' latest podcast, Zach Lowe came on and he's like, look, I don't have any insider sources. I'm only going off of what everybody else is going off of. And right now, it, it's it's a done deal. I would be very surprised if Paul George stayed in Oklahoma City and the Lakers just make the most sense. He said before, he's going to take into account what's best for his family. To me, that just means like, yes, we already. I feel like we already have are we a competitive team that that's that stance locked down. We, we're, we can be a competitive yeah. team and not only can we be a competitive team, but we have different avenues in which to continue to improve our team and eventually become a contending team, Oklahoma city. It's pretty much, he's going back to the same ordeal and mm-hmm. they're going to have yeah. to find very, very creative ways to even get better. The Lakers, they could go, Carmelo, Anthony, oh, gosh, I know, <laughs> but with the Lakers limitless possibilities. And like we said, we have not even got into the best part, which is being face to face with Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka, Genie Bus, seeing the trophies, seeing the new facility. I'm sure once he gets that whiff of
3: that new car smell, <laughs> I know we never
2: want to push the Lakers. I mean, we are Lakers legacy, but we've for the most part kind of been a trust the processy type of podcast the last few years, obviously, and we we never really want to push like all the uh,
3: tradition and uh-huh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: But in this case
3: Well Rob Polinka said it best. You saw that interview of him at the Combine, right? He was saying yes. how like the Lakers were getting stale. That was his exact mm-hmm. word, and that's the perfect adjective to use. And yep. uh, you know, they're just upping things and the level of energy and enthusiasm is back.
2: Right. And I think they know how to leverage the legacy thing while also pitching to guys like Paul George, hey, we're on the cutting edge as well. You meld those two things together. And we can really make a new updated remix version of the Lakers that the new era hasn't seen yet. Or the young kids these days who only know Kobe for the 2000, the post-Achilles Kobe, who have never really understood Lakers basketball and how much fun we were, how competitive we were. We can bring into play a new brand of Lakers basketball that this generation hasn't seen yet. And the fact that Paul George can lead that it, it has to be exciting, and I'm sure when he hears all of that, it's just going to hit him, you know? And it'll, it'll be, hopefully, a transcendental feeling. But most of all, to me, it's funny. Everybody's saying he's coming to the Lakers. I'll probably be disappointed if he doesn't come and the closer and closer we get to maybe it becoming a reality. But for, for right now, I don't know. Sit back, relax, troll OKC Thunder fans who are very sensitive about it right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's a fun time to be a Lakers fan. Uh, speaking of which, we forgot to get to this at the start of the show, but congrats to Kyle Kuzma for getting first-team All-Rookie NBA honors, along with Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Larry Markkanen, and congrats to Alonzo Ball for making the second team. I think Kyle Kuzma only had about seven votes that were f- for the second team, so he had 93 votes for the first, so that's great on Kyle Kuzma's part. Well-deserved. We didn't necessarily watch his interview, but we did see the Polaroids that all of the rookies um, took at the beginning of the season. They all took pictures of themselves with their Lakers jerseys. And then at the bottom in um, Sharpie, they wrote their goals for the season. Uh, Lonzo Ball was Lonzo Balls was to make the playoffs. Um, Thomas Bryants was to, something to the effect of have longevity or something like yeah, that, yeah. which is great. Uh, Josh Hart was to be all-team defensive yep. defensive player, so, which is great. Um, and then Kyle Kuzma was to make the first rookie all-NBA team, and it's great to see that come to fruition for him, and uh, it's well-deserved on his part, and Yeah, your thoughts on Kakuzma getting some of the spotlight, even though I think he's been overshadowed recently just by all the young studs playing in the playoffs.
3: Well, I think um, not that you would ever want this as an alternative, but despite not participating in the playoffs, he's been making the rounds as far as like a media tour goes. He's been everywhere. He was on Area 21 with KG. He was on first take at some point with Stephen A and Max. Um, He was on several other like daytime espn shows you know um oh i think he was even in on inside the nba with the guys um so yeah he's been freaking everywhere um so it, it's interesting how the media like it's like they don't have to have him on all this stuff but i i guess that amongst all of the very good rookies like who are you going to pick because most of them were in the playoffs and I guess you're not going to choose Laurie Markkinen right so um, it, it's awesome that he is getting some attention not that he wants it or anything but uh, as fans to get his name out there and uh, since so many people in media are kind of anti-Lakers it is nice for him to get the attention and affirmation that he deserves Um, but yeah if you were to ask all of us back in september october what do you think of his goal of wanting to be uh first you know team rookie we'd probably be like "Ooh, that's a long shot dude but like you look really good in summer league so we'll we'll have to see what happens and the fact that he accomplished it comfortably like you said 93 out of 100 votes for first team um that's freaking awesome um and you know, I was thinking like, okay, so who was the last rookie to do that? It was Jordan Clarkson, but you look at this rookie class compared to Jordan Clarkson's rookie class.
2: Oh to- yeah, yeah, totally
3: yeah. freaking different ball game. And this is it's not a slight against JC. Like he was he was very impressive that first year, and it was like a super unexpected thing. But uh, you know, you look at this as one of the all time draft classes, and the fact that Kuz is in there, um, it's freaking awesome. And like I don't know if you saw that quote from Ramona Shelburne. I'm not exactly sure what interview she was doing, but she said, like, if anyone has that Mamba mentality from the young core, um, it's Kyle Kuzma. And that's something that I think that we've all kind of latched on to from last Mm -hmm. summer league. So, yeah, dude, I'm so freaking excited (laughs) for next season. I can't believe it's still only May. Um, But, yeah, dude, it's good stuff.
2: Yeah, and Kyle Kuzma, he's kind of Mr. Laker, like you said, this offseason. He's got got the mamba mentality on one hand, but also like the charisma of like a Rick Fox or something, you know? So it's like a great combination. (laughs) So yeah, props to Kyle Kuzma. Uh, With that said, let's delve back into uh, some of the free agency talk and rumors that are out there. This is an interesting thing that I picked up from Bill Simmons' podcast. They were kind of just going through hypotheticals, uh, crazy stuff that could potentially happen. And he asked Zach Lowe... What do you think about this scenario? If the Lakers somehow strike out and don't get LeBron James and Paul George, I could see them potentially going into a panic trade mode and trading for Russell Westbrook. Hell no.
3: <laughs> Man, what's that guy smoking, dude? I like Bill Simmons, you know, aside from the Celtics thing, but that's, okay, go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, but but yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, for one thing, I think the league has caught up to Russell Westbrook. UCLA product, plays with a lot of heart and tenacity, but I think just his brand of basketball, to do that would just be such a, knee
4: a jerk, veering, yeah, like knee-jerk panic. reaction,
2: right. and I think that's what he's saying, but I think it would totally go against everything Rob Polinka and Magic Johnson have been saying, yeah, and have been trying to build in terms of the culture.
3: Why, why has Rob Polinka said patience like a thousand times, and why does he keep referencing Kobe? You know, when he's right. like, yeah, like Kobe has preached patience, 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 but do everything with a sense of urgency. Uh, gutting the team because we struck out for a very, very good player, like you said, contradicts everything.
2: Yeah, but a very good player who also in like year three or four is going to be making $40 million. And Rob Palenka, you mentioned his draft combine interview, and he kept talking about how the Lakers have a two-pronged attack. They've got core slash assets but also two maxes that they can use the minute you begin to trade lotto picks for superstars that then take up the cap space then you lose your advantage of having two sides that you can attack things with you know and doing that we like let's probably say we have to trade you know lonzo ball or brandon ingram plus other assets like josh hart or whatever for russell westbrook then not only did you just lose two two pieces of your young core Oh, you just lost about thirty million in cap space as well, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just I think it's unrealistic. Uh, maybe that's just Bill Simmons trying to stir up the pot and whatnot because he is a boss. What was that Celtics close uh I think he said. It, it, I mean, it, it's maybe realistic that they go for a panic trade, but he also doesn't know what this front office is is about yet, you know. Mm. And I think that, which which is fair, fair because point. I mean, I think this summer is the true. Uh, telling point or uh, true test. So we'll see. but I have faith in everything that I've seen, everything Rob Polinka has said. and honestly, even going back to the D'Angelo Russell trade where uh, it's clear that they were two steps ahead of everything, right? even ahead of our overreactionary takes. So uh, taking all that into account, I have to believe that they're going to be patient and that they did not work this hard including having to trade a former number two pick in D'Angelo Russell to then, on the flip of a dime, get rid of all that advantage that they worked so hard to get in the first place. So, yeah.
4: Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA approved products used to cost so much, but now thanks to keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information And recommend the right treatment to you and then boom shipped right to your door every three months so keeps is only ten dollars to thirty five dollars a month uh plus now you can get your first month free uh to, to what to keep your hair so come on what are we talking about here To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow.
2: Moving on to some additional rumors, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, we've already heard that this is probably nothing, all the unfollowing New Orleans Pelicans stuff. I think he even had an interview. He did. It might have been with Shelburne or some someone like that, a reporter. And he pretty much just said, oh, this was nothing. I just unfollowed the New Orleans Pelicans because I get, kept getting, like, spam pictures. Or I thought it was, like, a fake account or whatever.
3: Yeah, he thought it was, like, a fan page or something. Where they're saying, like, should the Pelicans keep him? And then he just wanted to mute the noise.
2: Right, right, which is which is fair. Yeah. Um, and also him just saying like you know, Julius Randle went to Kentucky, I'm friends with Isaiah Thomas, like pretty much all. He's of like, the, I was uh, already
3: following those dudes.
2: <laughs> yeah, all the obvious stuff. So that that's a moot point. But let's. But what isn't a moot point is the fact that Demarcus Cousins is entering a free agency that's very the market's very depreciated. He's coming off an Achilles tear. There are only a few teams that have the max cap space to sign him, and Lake the Lakers being one of those teams. And with how well the New Orleans Pelicans were playing, you know, in the playoffs this past year, you know, they may not break the bank for Demarcus Cousins. And I think they we've they've gone so far as to actually say that they will not give him his full max, or that or at least that they're hesitant to do that for multiple years. So with that being said, I think there's it's very realistic to assume that Demarcus Cousins, you know, could be headed to another team. And Alan, I guess I just wanted to get your thoughts on the possibility of signing a DeMarcus Cousins. Obviously, he would probably be plan B at best. Let's say plan C, actually. Um, but let's say, what if we come out of the summer with Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins? Are you of the mindset that if that's what we get coming out of the summer, that something must have gone terribly wrong? Or are you going to give the front office the benefit of the doubt and just hope that the stipulations we put on DeMarcus Cousins' contract won't end up haunting us but even then just getting those two guys in are you coming out of the summer like okay it's a little bit of a risk but dude i'm pumped uh,
3: uh I, like as you say that and i'm trying to like put myself in that position right now mentally my eyebrows are kind of lifted up and i'm like scratching my forehead you know what i mean like <laughs> i don't know i mean he's obviously a very good player we don't know what the heck's gonna be uh, the case is he rehabs from this catastrophic injury, and that's, like, the number one thing. Um, It's like, yeah, you want to give the front office benefit of the doubt, because that's what we've been preaching this whole time. And you have to think that they are going to approach this very prudently, and they're going to, like, just do all of their research and make sure that it is a wise decision I could see, like, some teams potentially just jumping on it and going for, going for it. Um, it would surprise me if we did. I would definitely say that. Um, mm, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you said, the contract stipulations all have to be in order, you know? Because I, I don't, I don't think we would give him a freaking max contract given his health. Um, yeah, and if we did, I'd be freaking shocked.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think the best Demarcus Cousins scenario for me would be: okay, we strike out on LeBron James, but we've got Paul George in the bag, and somehow he agrees to a rehabilitation year in terms of his health and proving that he's healthy, and we sign him to a big one-year deal yeah. with like a team option the second year, which is unrealistic because he's a star. You know, he might demand for a guarantee or even to to get that player option for the second year, which I'd be willing to give him because at that point you don't risk anything because it's like it's a year. And you're helping your team get competitive in that year. You risk some continuity and whatnot. But um, for me, I just think I'm also pretty wary about the Achilles injury thing, especially as it pertains to a big man. I mentioned incorrectly that I think Sean Kemp had an Achilles injury, but I think the player I was talking about was Dominique Wilkins. I think he he had an Achilles injury. He came back and averaged like 30 points. I think DeMarcus Cousins even tweeted that out. But I'm very wary of him coming back, especially as a big man. Um, And there are some things that Brooke Lopez already does that approximates what you'd want out of DeMarcus Cousins at at a much cheaper price point, right? Without having to jeopardize your 2019 cap space for other free agents. But having said that, I'm also kind of projecting forward into what I would feel in that moment as well. And given the fact that the Lakers have never had a summer like that, Even, even like a hobbled DeMarcus Cousins, you know, it's kind of like how we felt about Isaiah Thomas. And obviously that came back and bit us in the butt a little bit in terms of like, wow, we just traded for a star, quote unquote, a star. Just imagine, like, I think we'll be able to get over the fact really, really quickly. Once we're just like, we just came out of this summer with Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins. I think we'll do a quick paradigm shift and be like, yeah, Demarcus Cunn's going to be totally fine and who knows? I mean, maybe it'll come back and bite us in the butt, but I think just the excitement at least will will be there uh even though we'll have a little bit of trepidation.
3: Yeah. I, I can see that. I I think I uh, I think I would want to like just feel that enthusiasm kind of blindly for at least like an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um while in the back of my mind having that healthy dosage of skepticism be like, "Oh crap, like this guy may take months just to be a semblance of himself. We have no idea. um, But, yeah, I, I think for, like, an hour or so, I'd be like, oh, my God, this is freaking crazy. And afterwards, reality will kick in and, like, that voice in the back of the hell will be like, oh, God, but what if this, what if that, you know? So, yeah, I think that's where I, I would be. But I, I wouldn't be, like, a total Debbie Downer, I can tell you that.
2: Well, also, here's the other thing. um we know what the worst case scenario looks like and that's mozgov and dang and um <laughs> oh, well this will be better than that <laughs> well yeah and in terms of playing with house money i think we've we've reached a point and i said it in the last episode where we are playing on literal house money with this cap with this max cap space because you take away the max cap space and we're still a happy bunch with the young core keeping them leaving them untouched because there's this, uh, there's another scenario where we trade some of the guys for a star right and In this DeMarcus Cousins scenario, or this DeMarcus Cousins case, we're just signing him and hoping he's healthy, but all the young guys stay intact. So we can still continue to see them all progress. Uh, Paul George will help them contend, and best case scenario, DeMarcus Cousins rehabs really well, and we've got legitimately two superstars you know and we didn't have to trade anybody so i think that's where the angle that i'm kind of taking Mm. with it like there's definitely risk and it could definitely go wrong but how wrong can it actually be and because i don't think they're going to sign him to four years at all you know that's if that happens then yes that's when i'll be like uh oh yeah but i don't think that's going to be the case so i'm i'm expecting you know two years at most at this point and in that scenario we can bite the bullet because we didn't have to give up anything. The Lakers are in a position of just addition versus subtraction. Yeah. Uh just going the the max money cap space route and you can at least say man, we've signed much worse. So
3: Off the top of your head, do you know which other teams would be candidates for signing him to a one or two year max deal? Like Dallas has money, right?
2: Dallas, the Sixers? Yeah, no. He ain't going there. The the Utah Jazz, baby. I don't know off the man, top of my he head. Man, he couldn't
3: get hurt at a worse time. That
2: sucks, man. I know it's 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 a pretty bad market. I, I know teams can make space to to sign him, but who would want to go the extra mile for an injured ruptured Achilles, Demarcus Cousins? So not a lot of teams. So
3: honestly, I feel like he stays in New Orleans.
2: He probably will. He yeah. Probably will. I mean, that's but like the safest you you, bet.
3: you mentioned before, like it's not a bad thing for the market that he's out there. You know. Yeah.
2: For sure. Just gives more options, and the Lakers can even use him as leverage. Leverage, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, so let's move on to our last main topic before we get into some draft talk a little bit. So, Julius Randle, uh, Aaron Mintz, they have the same, he has the same agent, Mintz, as Paul George. Some reports came out recently that uh, Randle's camp, they are unsure of the Lakers, where the Lakers are placing Julius Randle in terms of their priorities. Now, this may sound kind of funny because Anybody who knows the Lakers' plans, and Julius Randle knows them well himself, just objectively would say, well, Julius Randle at best ranks number three <laughs> in that totem pole." So I think a lot of people are questioning, why is this even a story? Why, why are we hearing stuff about the Lakers having to prioritize Julius Randle? And I think for me, I think the word priority is less about, I think Aaron Mintz obviously is posturing, and he's less using the word priori- priority to say Julius Randle better be at the top in front of LeBron James and Paul George, I think even he knows that's not realistic. Of course not. Um, but I think he's just saying priority in terms of Julius Randle's context. And their priority is as an agent and what Julius Randle wants to make as a restricted free agent and having the summer, uh, having the season that he just had. I, I think they're saying, like, are the Lakers going to prioritize us in the way that we feel we deserve to be prioritized? Less so, are we the number one priority, if that makes any sense. So, yeah. I think people have to read it that way. And so Aaron Mintz and Julius Randle obviously have a price point in their head and they're going to take that to the market. And this is, in my opinion, uh, Aaron Mintz's way of starting to let the league know about Julius Randle, that they're open for business. And I think even with Rob Polinka saying they have, they're very strongly interested in retaining Julius Randle and both sides have mutual interest in doing so, I think Aaron Mintz just wants Julius Randle to get the best deal possible, whether it's with the Lakers or somebody else. And the only way to make sure that the Lakers give him the best amount of money they can possible is by leveraging other teams. So I think that's really all this is. I think Julius Randle's preference would be to stay with the Lakers. It's just Aaron Mintz wants to make sure that he's Julius Randle's just not going to take a $16 million offer. And other teams were like, oh, he's going back to the Lakers anyway. So they don't even offer up anything, you know, and Julius Randle kind of just has, to quote unquote settle for $16 million a year because that was the only offer he got and it was from the Lakers. So uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this uh, prioritizing Julius Randle stuff? Are you scared about other teams maxing him and the Lakers being unable to do that? And yeah, well, what are your thoughts on the the word priority?
3: Oh yeah, I, I totally agree that the context here is key. It doesn't mean number one priority at all. Um, you know, you prioritize things for a reason, right? You have a list, one through whatever. And, um, as far as where Julius falls on our list, it, it's definitely up there, you know, um, it's not like we're not interested in bringing the guy back, but we do have, uh, other really big decisions to make. So as far I mean, I don't have that much to say, honestly, you pretty much hit everything. Um, Aaron Mintz has to do his job as his agent. Julius totally earned, um, you know, a, a very, uh, healthy contract, let's say. And, um. Yeah. I mean, if you remain quiet and you don't have any posturing and you don't try to leverage the situation, then you're a crappy agent. so so, um, yep. yeah, I mean, as far as what actually ends up going down, there are so many dominoes that need to fall. It's really hard to say. Um, <clears throat> as with most things concerning sports in the Lakers, it's like, let's hope for the best, you know, but uh, kind of expect the worst type of deal. That way, if something does work out in our favor, um, you know, we're going to feel that much better. So my um my expectations and my hopes and that i think are are pretty well adjusted just in case he ends up on a different team it's definitely going to be a bummer but in my own mind i've convinced myself that that is the case um while hoping that he does come back and everything else works out too
2: yeah agree and i think here's the ways that the lakers thus far have prioritized julius randall well he's the last lone standing <laughs> you know, Lakers lotto player from when this rebuild started. Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, D'Angelo Russell are all gone. Uh, Obviously, Zu is still here, but I wouldn't put him in the same class of caliber player as those other guys who essentially we thought were going to be part of our core. And Julius Randle is the last guy in the Lakers held him on through the trade deadlines just so that they could keep his $12 million cap hold. So that's one way they've prioritized Julius Randle, in spite of all the rumors we we had been hearing throughout the year. And then one way that I think they can prove that they're prioritizing Julius Randle and Aaron Mintz is through constant communication with them as we inch closer to July. Because the way that this is going to have to work out in terms of the Lakers even having a shot at signing LeBron James, Paul George, or signing two max stars and still being able to keep Julius Randle is they're going to have to tell Julius Randle, Hey buddy, I know you're going to get some contract offers from the Mavs. They're probably going to be like in the 18 to $20 million range, but we need you to sit tight. We're going to keep your cap hold on the books. You cannot sign an offer sheet for $23 million because then we're forced to, you know, match that offer and that's going to eat into the cap space we need for LeBron James and Paul George. So, Let's strike a deal here, like, you know, a wink-wink deal. This isn't that rare of a, of a scenario where you talk to your own free agent and tell him, just sit tight, we'll re-sign you once this is all over, once we've made all our signings, because you only cost $12 million right now. If you sign an offer sheet for $23 million, then that's how much you're going to be on the cap books once, because we're going to have to make a decision to either let you go for that $23 million or actually because he's a restricted free agent match that offer. And then all of a sudden we've eaten into our cap space and it's going to be a lot harder to sign two max stars, if at all. So we're going to need to continually have Julius Randall on speed dial and continue to make those communication lines strong between him and his agent and say, Hey, I know Dallas might give you like 20 to $22 million an offer, but we want to keep you and we want to retain you for like four years Maybe we offer him slightly less than that, but I think that's when Julius Randle has to weigh, like, what does it mean to be a Laker and potentially play for a team that could have LeBron James and Paul George and is competing, you know, in the Western Conference Finals, NBA Finals every year versus, yeah, I get to go home in Dallas, but that's clearly a rebuilding team at this point. So I'm willing to take slightly less to come yeah, back with the yeah. Lakers. Yeah, in terms you know? of
3: like a basketball situation, he'd be taking a few steps back without a doubt being on Dallas And it's like, there's two sides to this, right? Like we all know how competitive and how much of a shark Randall is and how much he kind of has that Mamba mentality as well. So on the one hand, if you stand the Lakers with our potentially amazing situation, or at least a very good situation that feeds into his, his competitiveness and his mindset when it comes to just winning. Right. But then if he goes to Dallas, which like you said, is rebuilding, he can kind of look at that situation as being, well, now I can be, Granted, Harrison Barnes is there. They drafted Dennis Smith Jr. I don't know. He may feel a little more like the man over there. You know what I mean? Um, And then that could also feed into his ego, which has gotten him to where he is. So I think there's two sides of the coin, and both situations can feed uh, what he values just in different ways. So hopefully he um, cares more about being a part of a winning culture that there is like a direction. There's more of an identity here in L.A. than there is in Dallas, where they're still kind of starting from scratch. But maybe his role is a bit more prominent over there.
2: Right. And we don't even know if the Lakers would be willing to match a max offer. And maybe they just tell him, hey, we're going to max you out anyways. We just needed to sit tight until we make our signings. They may still be open to doing that. I just don't think that they'd want to pay that much money you know uh, that's just my opinion but we'll see what what happens with Julius Randle all that to say I think Mintz and Randle just want to make sure that the Lakers are prioritizing them his client the way that they feel they deserve to be prioritized this yeah. offseason
3: by no means is he on the back burner I don't think
2: no no the proof is in the pudding with regards to how the Lakers handle communication with Randall and Mintz as soon as free agency starts or even right before that if they keep communication strong and it's not one of those scenarios where it's like yeah go out and fetch a deal and come back to us you know I I doubt that's going to be the case right so um, as long as they're being forthright and earnest and honest about the situation and uh, keeping Randall and Mintz in the loop with their plans I think that's that's prioritizing Randall and Mintz in the same way even if they don't end up retaining Randall so This is
3: Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line, so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com
2: today. Um, Yeah, with that said, let's end our show with some draft talk. Uh, I know we both have scouted a little bit more this past week or so. There's a lot of really good wings at the position the Lakers are drafting at. The Lakers have emphasized that they're looking at positional versatility, interchangeability, especially defensively, is a primary, what's it called? Uh, is, is one Priority. of the primary factors. Prior, one of the pri- <laughs> priorities that the Lakers are looking for at the number 25th pick. Uh, so before we get started on prospects, Alan, I wanted to ask you. With regards to the fact that the Lakers don't have their lotto pick this year, do you think their draft strategy changes a little bit this year with only the number 25th pick and the number 47th pick? Do you think they'll, they're will they more liable to maybe take a swing at number 25? Or do you think they're going to keep going with what's tried and true with how they've been handling that late first round pick the last couple of years and really knocking it out of the park? Um, but especially this year, it just seems like there's a it's a little deeper in terms of the crop. And they may be there may be more prospects that are older, but also prospects that kind of fit exactly what the Lakers are looking for. So where do you stand on whether there may be a slight strategy change?
3: Mm, I think they're going to keep doing what they've done. Mm. Like if it's not broken, don't fix it, you know? So um, like you said, there are some guys with some more years on them in college. Um, Clearly that's worked out pretty damn well for us. As far as like taking a swing in the late first round, um, yeah, I don't see them doing that just based on their previous track record. So, um, yeah, some second, even third-year guys, I, I could see us targeting those types of players. And like you said, so many of them really fit um, what our priorities are that you mentioned. And, um, yeah, I I do think that one of the things that Polinka has continued to stress is, you know, we need guys who are very selfless, who are going to run the floor make that extra pass, who can defend long, high basketball IQ, high character. And um, yeah, I think that's where they're going to sit on that.
2: Yeah, I actually agree. I mean, uh, the last podcast, I kind of went the way of thinking that maybe they'd treat the number 25 pick a little more differently because they don't have a lotto pick and they may swing for more upside and also because they have to take into account that pick's potential tradability, right? Because there is still a chance that we'd have to package some assets along with Luau Dang just to free up more cap space to do everything we want to do, including retain Julius Randle. So they maybe have to take into account like this pick that we have at number 25 has to be kind of universally liked, right? And usually universally liked comes in the form of a young, high upside prospect. So I... But now kind of looking at the guys that the Lakers have interviewed and also just what they continue to emphasize, mainly defense, effort, you know, being tenacious and having positional versatility, I think I am veering back towards the notion that I think they're going to keep things the same way and kind of go for just dudes who can really contribute um, in that fashion first and foremost. Because let's say we do get a LeBron James and Paul George and we instantly become a contending team. Some people may say, well, how is a guy at picked at number twenty five even gonna get minutes on a team like that? And I think the point is less about will that guy get minutes first off, but if people get injured in a pinch, yeah, can we just in the playoffs put that guy out there we and know Jordan that Bell. he won't Yeah, that he won't hurt us and all he well, we just need a guy who can play defense, right? Yeah. And that'll give that effort. We've seen guys like OG Ananobi and Oh, thon maker! Sure. all they do is just play defense and yeah. they don't really even touch the ball on offense you just want a hard-nosed gritty guy that you can plug in there in the worst case scenario because
3: jordan bell was the last pick of the first round right or no i don't remember what pick he was no no not, not last yeah, cause pick. Cause but he was Hart definitely was second round whate- yeah. yeah whatever he was late and then he went to oregon for x years you know like two or whatever and here he is contributing to golden state pretty much all season he's getting minutes in the playoffs too
2: and he's not he's not really doing anything on offense or anything outside of himself he's just doing what he knows best which is being tenacious being active and i think that's those are the types of players the lakers are looking for and, and jordan bell was picked in the second round number 38 so that's right case in point um but yeah so with that said let's get into like one or two prospects that the lakers could potentially look at i know there's been a lot of talk about Mitchell Robinson now here's here's a guy who I think if there was a high upside swing and yeah that's fair Mitchell Robinson <laughs> fell to number 25 maybe the Lakers go that route uh, Mitchell Robinson is he's such a strange mysterious pr- prospect just because his surrounding history of being a five star house high school recruit from Chalmette high school in Louisiana
3: he was number three center in his class right
2: yeah, and he yeah. played really well against guys like Aiton and, and Mo Bamba and stuff in high school. Um, but he committed to Western Kentucky University, and then he uh, withdrew. And so the last year, he hasn't been playing any college basketball at all. He's still only twenty years old, seven foot one, seven foot four wingspan, uh, very, very, very athletic. This guy is DeAndre Jordan like athletic, throwing windmills and stuff yeah. in game, um, catching every lob. He even has some semblances of a jump shot. I saw him hitting threes and whatnot. I don't know how how real that is, but just the fact that he can probably shoot and isn't like a DeAndre Jordan-like liability is yeah, intriguing. Yeah, that way he
3: looks like freaking Embiid.
2: Yeah, for sure. Obviously, we don't know the specifics of why this guy is so wishy-washy. He also withdrew from the combine. People are saying he withdrew because of a promise from the Lakers. I don't believe that, and I think Eric Pincus actually shot that down on Twitter yeah, today. Yeah, he refuted that. Yeah. I mean, if anything, he probably got promises from people below us and maybe the Lakers are the his floor, the least he'll fall, I guess. So, um I doubt he'll actually fall to the Lakers, but who knows? Maybe even if he falls to the Lakers, the Lakers will just want more, something more tried and true, but he is he is he does have potential and he does have in terms of defensive switchability, he could potentially be a, a big man who can actually, you know, contain perimeter guards because of his long wingspan and just how imposing he is height-wise and, and length-wise. So, yeah, any thoughts on Mitchell Robinson?
3: Um, I mean, it's it's hard to scout him, like you said, because he didn't even play in college. So you're just looking at AAU and high school highlights, and he just looks like a man out there amongst boys. So um, given his tangibles and then a little bit of film, he looks like a great rim protector. Obviously, he's got that length. He's very explosive off the floor. Um, he also has a very big frame. You can tell he's got very broad shoulders, big chest, big back. So in terms of um, him just bulking up and being able to handle guys like Embiid or Towns or Whiteside, you know, whatever, all the big centers in the league, Um I think there's a lot of potential there, as you said. Super athlete, he runs the floor extremely well, so he looks like um, you know, like conditioning in the future would not be an issue. Um, <clears throat> he was number 12 recruit in the country in his class, so I mean, top 20 guy. It, but other than that, it, it's hard to say. It's just the the footage is pretty limited. So if we got him, as you said, that's a huge um, upside kind of play, and it would be exciting. But um, like you said, yeah, he, he's probably going to get snatched up. Who knows? Ten spots before us,
2: right? And we just don't want a another Rob, Robert Upshaw scenario. You know, we don't we don't know why this why this guy is so wishy washy. You know, we yeah. don't know the extenuating circumstances with why he even withdrew from Western Kentucky University in the first place and and all that stuff. But I'm sure they'll suss that out through interview process and whatnot. And if things shake out clean, he could be drafted before the Lakers or maybe the Lakers have a shot at him and they're able to, you know, green light him in spite of all those uh, mysterious factors. Um, With that said, let's move on to, so this guy I really, really like, and not just because he was a former USC Trojan, but, Uh, D'Anthony Melton has been getting a lot of buzz, especially with his performance in the NBA draft combine, uh, just like Mitchell Robinson, actually, he hasn't played a basketball in the last year. And that's because there have been, um, he's had some issues with the FBI questioning whether or not his recruiting process was a clean one. He eventually, I think was cleared of those charges and whatnot, but it still left him ineligible for the last year to play for USC. I don't know all the specifics. I just know the last year he hasn't played and, um, two years ago when he was a freshman at USC, I was looking at his stats and I was like, what is the hype about this guy? Mm. (laughs) He averaged eight points, 4.7 rebounds. Okay, 3.5 assists, pretty good. One block, 1.9 steals, great defensive numbers, but I mean, can he shoot? Oh, 28% from three, then what's going on? Why Why should I be excited about a guy like this? I was like, does he have a long wingspan? Six foot eight, okay, that's okay for a six foot four guard, but it's not like seven plus, you know? So I was kind of confused at what, The uh, all the hype was about. And then I started just watching the tape and I was like, okay, he is a dynamic defender who blocks shots and pins them to the glass a bunch (laughs) of times. And even when he gets beat, he has the instincts, the defensive instincts to always swat shots away from behind without fouling. And on top of it, he is just...
3: It's a lot of those like Shannon Brown blocks that he had against the Atlanta Hawks and it shouldn't have been a foul and then Kobe made the stank face. Yeah, it's a lot of blocks like that.
2: Except unlike Shannon Brown, he also has the defensive positionality (laughs) and being aware on the floor of where he is at all times. Really good lateral quickness, really good quickness in general just to like Mm -hmm. pickpocket steals. I mean, 1.9 steals when he was at USC, but you just see how rabid he is out there on defense and you're just like, ooh, okay, I get it. He is a machine out there. And just like we were talking about being able to just plug, throw in guys in the playoffs who can do that, That's D'Anthony Melton. You want want a Marcus Smart type guy?
3: Dude, that's exactly what I wrote. Yeah, exactly. Nice, nice.
2: But on top of it, I think what what stood out to me was like, okay, so we get Tony Allen or someone like that. Mm. What else is there? And then I saw the the playmaking. I was like, ooh, he has really good vision out there. He's really unselfish, really good court vision, makes the right play all the time. And then in transition... He's exactly the type of player that the Lakers are looking for. Always pitches it ahead, gets the ball out of his hands. But most of all, he's like a competent pick-and-roll guy. And at times I was like, hmm, some of these passes look D'Angelo Russell-like, but he looks like a more sound playmaker than D'Angelo Russell. So a guy who can playmake and has that defensive upside – is a pretty tantalizing prospect to me, and on top of it, his shot isn't broken. So, right. and he's shown some strides there in the in the draft combine. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on De'Anthony Melton?
3: Yeah, I was watching um, a Mike Schmidt's you know Draft Express video, and he called him a Swiss Army knife for USC, uh, just because he has so many different tools. Like you you mentioned his stats, his defensive stats. He really fills it up. So, that's huge, and that's something that's. So difficult to teach that he possesses. Um, on ball defense is great, as you said, very, very good lateral quickness, uh, very active feet. That's something that Palinka has talked about a lot when it comes to Kuzma on the offensive end. On the other hand, but um, how Kyle Kuzma just had so much energy in his entire body, but especially his feet. He's not like a plotting type player. Now, obviously, D'Anthy Melton's a guard. You wouldn't expect him to be, like be plotting, but. His feet are extremely active. He's got a lot of quickness. Um, He has good defensive instincts. Saw a lot of highlights of him just jumping passing lanes. But, like, not gambling. Like, he understands the angles, right? And -hmm. he knows how to play his defender and how to help properly. So that's where he gets a lot of his steals. Um, As I mentioned before, he reminds me of Marcus Smart just in terms of his grit. And, like you said, his tenacity, His general activity, he's a guy that has a very uh, strong motor, and he's not going to take plays off. Now, obviously, they're like very different body types. He's not like a little bowling ball the same way Marcus Smart is, but just in terms of the mentality, you could really see that he understands what his role is. And then offensively, as you said, very good transition player. Definitely fits in with the Lakers style. Um, He's the type of guy who could get a rebound and then just push it all the way and make the right pass. Make the good reads. Always aim for... Um, you know, a better shot than the one that you have. And like you said, while his shooting uh, stats were not great, um, his shot's not broken. Um, he has very good touch. He just needs to refine it for sure. So yeah, a tantalizing prospect for sure.
2: Yeah, and even if his shot stays semi-inconsistent, if he can just knock down an open shot, I kind of threw out this comparison, but in terms of Swiss army knives and all-around type players... Um, like an Andre Iguodala at the guard spot, Draymond Green at the guard spot, an Andre Roberson who can playmake. He can
3: shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah I play playmake.
2: Anybody can shoot better than Roberson, so that's he probably already has a plus there. But the fact that he can also playmake and rebound yeah. the ball and all that stuff, it's like you already see how valuable Andre Roberson is to the OKC Thunder. But if you can get a guy like that who can also do other stuff and is versatile, I mean, that's the defensive switchability the positional versatility we're talking about that the lakers are looking for all you want from like a guy like this too is like even though he's 6'4 and has a 6'8 wingspan if like a, a wing gets switched onto him can he hold his ground and in the videos you're like he can you know he really fights down there even against big men so I think that's what I like the most about De'Anthony Melton, and his body's only going to continue to develop, you know. Especially a year a year removed from any actual basketball, the fact that he can have a strong showing in the draft combine, I think, just tells a lot about his work ethic. And I'm sure he had to deal go through a lot this past year. So I'd be very very excited with De'Anthony Melton. Um, lastly, let's quickly touch upon um, Lakers' favorite, uh, John T. Porter, right now, the brother of Michael Porter Jr. Uh, who's going to be a lotto pick this season. Uh, it's unknown yet whether or not Jontae Porter may actually go back to school. It may actually benefit his stock to do that and come back next year in a uh, much less deep draft and maybe, you know, earn a, a few more million bucks by getting drafted higher. But let's say he stays in the draft, Alan. What are your thoughts on Jontae Porter? Very intriguing, versatile big man. He's versatile in another way. Not so much defensively, although he can block shots. And if he... Works on his body and trims down mm-hmm. his fat and yep. heftiness. Uh, he could be a very, yeah, he could Get be rid of that baggy force. T-shirt under that jersey, man. Exactly. <laughs> if, if if he can mimic his offensive versatility and all the different things he can do in offense and translate that to defense, then you do have a lotto pick or a yeah. very tantalizing prospect with upside. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on Johnsey Porter, eighteen-year-old well, John St. Porter?
3: He's six eleven, right? Yes. Duke could shoot the hell out of the ball. every freaking highlight I saw, dude, is just him picking and popping like, okay, not every highlight, but I would say 85 to 90% of them. Mm -hmm. It's literally him setting a pick, hanging back, catch and shoot. And for whatever reason, it seems like I didn't watch a ton of SEC basketball, but it seems like those teams just don't know how to defend a pick and pop like (laughs) at all. Or like their assistant coaches just freaking suck. And they don't understand the personnel of Jonte Porter because he's freaking wide open every damn time. And uh, so, I mean, it's great that he was knocking down open shots for sure. Um, So, yeah, that was like my biggest takeaway on the offensive end in terms of strengths, he can shoot. Um, he has a post-up game, too. He, he got down on the block. Um, decent moves, decent footwork, but it's it's kind of plodding, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, like you said, he definitely needs to cut down his body fat. I don't know what it is because that T-shirt looked like a nightgown on him. But, 14%, um, buddy. Oh, oh, that's like a normal person and not a college <laughs> athlete playing Division <laughs> one basketball. So, um, dude needs to hit a, a treadmill, a swimming pool, a bike p90x freaking whatever um that's gonna make a huge difference so it is hard to judge um you know when he is down low and he needs to use a bit of athleticism he has like barely any lift off the yeah. ground he he definitely uses his upper body strength and girth to sort of muscle the ball up through contact which in college that's fine that's definitely not going to cut it in the pros we know what that looks like um so yeah, working on his body. And like you said, I've I've read some reports today that it seems like he's leaning toward going back to Missouri. So uh, that would probably be in his best interest. But if he can get his body right, um, I think he fits the modern NBA very, very well being 6'11 and being able to shoot the three ball.
2: Yeah, totally. I, I talked to Cole Zwicker, who will be having on our podcast pretty soon. Well, I already had the interview. So I'm just kind of holding it back for you guys. So there's some incentive to interview us on iTunes tease and uh, catch our next episode. But yeah, we were talking about John say Porter and he was just saying that he's one of his, uh, yeah. Highest touted prospects this year, just because we've seen from guys like even Marcus Saul and Draymond Green, how they didn't come into the league in shape. And once, if you already have a skill set like that, all you do is tone and trim and continue to work on developing the body. And, if all that comes along, which is a very easy, correctable thing to fix, you know? Um, Yeah, just do it. Sky's the limit (laughs) for a guy like that. Exactly. And, you know, Jonte Porter, he's a big dude in terms of, I was surprised at how big he actually, and I'm not even talking about, he's just fat, but I was like, (laughs) ooh, 6'11 and hefty, and he's like hitting all these threes. Most of all too, he's, a really good playmaker. He's got in comparison. Uh, I saw a Boris Diaw comparison. And I was like, "Hey, there's a dude who actually never got too chiseled at all, <laughs> and was still very, very effective." You know what I mean? Not just, but obviously, I think John T. Porter is gonna have a moment in his NBA career where he is gonna be shit uh, fit and in shape. But where he's gonna space, be shit? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think he's gonna have a moment um, where he's gonna be shit. <laughs>
2: That's true, too. That's he will be 50 too. years
3: old, and he's just going to be shit.
2: But, yeah, Boris Diaw is a good template to look at in terms of a guy who, not that much athleticism, but very smart on the floor and can do a multitude of things from pretty rebounding, I like that. shooting, passing. Yeah, pretty much the, a lot of comps for him just involve a bunch of unathletic, tall guys <laughs> who can shoot and pass the ball. I saw Brad Miller.
4: You know, like,
2: <laughs> Hey, these are good players. Brandon was like and in pretty um, good
3: shape, though. He was he was pretty. Thin. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. That's true. But I see what you mean in like the big. He guy was just always in came. slow motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: Those are like floor comparisons. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so you you could potentially have a pretty long NBA career, and uh, you'll play a vital role on some some teams. So if he can get in better condition, which I'm sure he will, shoot, it's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I mean his floor skill set right now, like you said, is modern NBA type of stuff and um if we can't retain brooke lopez i mean start to fashion up a guy like john say porter and um all you have to do is work on chiseling that body and because he already has a kind of a big frame he could actually become an imposing force too if he can just you know tone that up like kind of like marcus all i mean (laughs) uh, marcus is a good comparison he was pudgy as heck man but um he still never really gained he looked up because that's true and he still never was athletic or anything like that, but wow. it kind of didn't matter with the way that he was able to hold his position and direct an NBA offense and facilitate it, you know? And when you're that long and that tall, I mean, I think his wingspan is pretty, it's pretty good as well. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah. Seven foot plus wingspan as well. He's got good measurables and um, I can see why a lot of Lakers fans are very intrigued with him or intrigued by him. Um, we'll see if he, he stays in the draft and, he could be another potential candidate for if he falls to the Lakers, maybe they take that high upside swing on a guy like him. Also because he is so young, you know, he's going to turn 19 this season and um, he kind of fits the criteria of, you could see why the Lakers would take a chance on him because he does have skill sets that would translate in the future to being a very productive and helpful player in terms of positional versatility as well. Um, But also he has that tradable he has the optics in yeah. terms of tradability, you know? A lot of teams in the NBA would be like, oh, you pick John T. Porter with the number 25th pick? All right, we'll take Luau Deng because we also believe in his upside. So John T. Porter kind of kills two birds with one stone, so to say. But yeah, with that said, we'll see if he stays in the draft. And I think that'll do it for our episode tonight. Once again, stay tuned because we got Coles Wicker coming up where we talk about John T. Porter, DeAnthony Melton, and then a whole bunch of other prospects that could land in the Lakers range this upcoming draft so yeah with that said thank you guys for listening please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate interview us on itunes the more you rate interview us that's how much more wedding dress analysis you'll be getting from mr alan riley alan is it laurel or yanny
3: yanny (laughs) (laughs) so do you think when i'm saying it some people hear laurel no way right
2: no that's not how i don't think that's how it works (laughs) I have to hear.
3: Sorry, that was one of the stupidest things I've said in at least the last two days. Wait, you, no, dude, you say one, to... you say one right now. I'll tell you what I hear. Just just pick one.
2: Okay, Laurel.
3: Yeah, you said Laurel.
2: <laughs> no, you got to hear, Alan. You got to hear the original recording. It's like the ring. I know. You have to watch the original tape, and then the girl comes out of the well and kills. Oh God! You. Okay. Freaking Samara, if you don't hear, if you don't girl. hear the original recording. Your ears won't bleed. Yanny.
3: Yanny. Did you, see, did you see on Inside the NBA when they did it for Charles and no. the thing was saying, donut. <laughs> <laughs> they played it for Shaq, Kenny, Ernie, all in their headsets, and it all said the correct thing. And then they're like, Charles, what did you He's like, man, I heard donut.
2: <laughs> and they're like, what the
3: hell? I drew donies, I swear I heard donut. And then later like, oh, yeah, that's what we played in your headset.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That is so good. hilarious. That's too good. Hey, with that said, let's end right there. That's hilarious, <laughs> Alan. One more time with the correct pronunciation.
3: Yanny, Laurel, Yanny,
1: donut. <laughs> see you later, knuckleheads. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the Barry Obama comparison.
2: <laughs> All right, see you, man. Later. <laughs> Thank you